0: Some somewhere, somewhere you can hear my voice. We
1: welcome everyone to the program. My name is J. Paul Newman. My co-host is Rutherford County District Attorney General Jennings Jones. This will be our 101st broadcast of the District Attorney's special edition of the Action Line on WGNS. We thank WGNS for providing the airtime. We also thank our producer, Scott Walker. Most of all, we thank you for listening. Today, in our Inside the Court segment, District Attorney General Jennings Jones will tell you about recent and upcoming grand jury, general sessions, and circuit court activity. In our Cold Case Profile segment, we will highlight three unsolved murders. They are the 2019 murder of Terrell Ray, the 2016 murder of Fausto Hernandez, and the 2009 murder of Anthony Davis. To discuss those cases, I have two very special guests. First, we will welcome Detective Sergeant James Abbott, from the Murfreesboro Police Department. And we will also welcome the Public Information Officer for the Murfreesboro Police Department, Larry Flowers. Larry Flowers will not only highlight his duties, but he will share with us the many innovations that the Murfreesboro Police Department has made in asking for the public's help in solving unsolved homicides. We will begin the broadcast after you listen to these important messages...
0: Sorry.
2: By growing up in the restaurant business and being always around it, it was just something that was just second nature to me. I didn't realize the amount of work that was involved in it. I I didn't understand and appreciate all that my parents sacrificed in order to provide for us. And now I'm very thankful and and I'm very appreciative of the foundation that they laid for me so we could teach others to create what they have done to make it more of a legacy than just a passing of the torch.
0: This is Peter Demas inviting you to enjoy a meal with our family at Demas' Restaurant.
3: Mostly sunny skies here for this afternoon with a high around 80 degrees. South winds of 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, partly cloudy and alone near 53. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Vujicic on News Radio WGNS.
1: Currently, it's 44. It's so important that we recognize our veterans, shake their hands and say how proud we are of the service that they have given to our country and that we thank them for that. I am Becky Bookner, and we salute our veterans
3: hey folks i'm stephen reynolds the man in the middle join me every friday for a new episode of my podcast exclusively on wgmsradio.com
0: this is inside the courts a look at this month's trials pleas and grand jury action inside the courts is presented as a courtesy of the rutherford county clerk's office
3: Good morning, everyone. This is your district attorney, Jennings Jones, and in this segment, I will be your tour guide as I take you inside the courts. We begin this segment by stating that none of the defendants named in upcoming trials or hearings have been convicted, and of course, they are presumed by our law to be innocent. With that said, we will now go inside the courts. One case that has recently come to its conclusion is State versus Tyshawn Patterson. On May 16th of 2017, Kendrick Love arranged to sell one ounce of marijuana to a Charles, Charles Mahias for $230. Just after 8 p.m., Mr. Love arrived at the agreed-upon location. After Mr. Mahias and Tyshawn Tuka Patterson walked up to the vehicle Love was in, Mr. Love exited the vehicle to meet with Mr. Mahias and Mr. Patterson. Love walked with Mr. Mahias and Patterson to a grassy area between the H and J buildings of the Gateway Apartments. Mr. Mejias' brother, Jeremy Noah Sotomorales, allegedly accompanied Mr. Mejias and Mr. Patterson and was waiting between the two buildings. Sotomorales admits to knowing that the boys intended to rob Mr. Love and that he was originally going to assist with the robbery, but changed his mind and unintentionally saw the group at their specified location. Soto morales insists that the encounter was purely coincidental as he was walking to the store patterson was armed with a 9 millimeter firearm given to him by mr mahias once the group reached the picnic tables between h and j buildings mr mahias punched mr love and began to go through his pockets at this point mr love armed with a 25 caliber pistol attempted to defend himself from mahias attack patterson put his forearm to love's ribs Mejias grabbed the marijuana from Mr. Love and then ran. Both Love and Patterson fired. Love sustained a gunshot wound to the ribs that led to his death. Mr. Mejias and Mr. Patterson fled the scene. Neither Patterson, Mejias, nor Sorta Morales called for medical assistance for Mr. Love, leaving him to die where he fell. Around 8.08 p.m., a witness reported seeing a black male subject in a black shirt and red shorts flee from the scene on foot. Other witnesses saw three men fleeing on foot. After the shooting, Mejias, Patterson, and Soto Morales discussed the shooting at the apartment of Mejias and Soto Morales. That night, Mejias broke the marijuana down and tried to cover his tracks by turning off his phone. The gun used by Mr. Patterson was not recovered. Patterson claimed Mejias sold the gun. A confidential witness was able to connect Mejias and Patterson to the robbery and the shooting of Mr. Love. On May 20, 2017, Patterson was interviewed by the police and admitted to shooting Mr. Love with a pistol provided by Mejias. Patterson claims he shot purely in self-defense. He states that Mejias struck Mr. Love and stole the marijuana that caused Mr. Love to draw a weapon and fire. Patterson stated he saw and heard Love trying to cock his weapon and then accidentally fired his own. Mr. Patterson claims that Mr. Love fired at him, so he began firing and ultimately killed Mr. Love. On February the 25th of this year, a jury of Mr. Patterson's peers convicted him of the following offenses. Count 1, facilitation to conspiracy to aggravated robbery. Count 2, facilitation to aggravated robbery. Count 3, robbery in concert with two or more. Count 4, first degree felony murder. And Count 5, second-degree murder. On February the 25th of this year, Circuit Court Judge Jimmy Turner accepted the jury's verdict and sentenced Mr. Patterson to life in prison. A sentencing hearing is scheduled for May the 17th of this year for the remainder of the sentences to be determined by the trial court. Mr. Patterson faces 2 to 4 years in prison for count 1, 3 to 6 years in prison for count 2, 8 to 12 years in prison for count 3, and 15 to 25 additional years in prison for count 5. These sentences handed down on May 17th will be in addition to the sentence of life that he has already received. On the 26th day of June 2019, deputies with the Rutherford County Sheriff's Department responded to a residence on Walnut Grove. Mr. Terry Barber was found deceased on the floor with his hands and feet bound together. Lead investigator Rutherford Rutherford County Sheriff's Department Detective Steve Brown has charged three individuals, Devin Gailey, Brent Ross, and Vernice Farrow, with first-degree murder, especially aggravated kidnapping, aggravated robbery, aggravated burglary, and fraudulent use of a credit card. Following a preliminary hearing in the General Sessions Court of Rutherford County, the cases were bound over to the grand jury. In June of 2020, a grand jury returned a true bill against all three defendants. Devin Gailey is represented by counsel Luke Evans. On January 20th of this year, Mr. Gailey entered a plea of guilty to felony murder and especially aggravated kidnapping and received a life sentence with the possibility of parole and a concurrent 25-year sentence. Brent Ross is represented by Michael Jones, while Vernice Farah is represented by counsel Amanda Gentry. A trial is scheduled for the dates of March 21st through the 25th of this year. I will be representing the state in this matter, assisted by Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch. On July 27th of 2018, officers with the Smyrna Police Department responded to uptown suites in reference to a shooting. Once on scene, officers located Mr. Robert Wilson, the victim of a gunshot wound. Mr. Wilson later died from his injuries. Smyrna Detective Steve Martin was assigned as lead investigator. After interviewing witnesses and reviewing video surveillance footage, Donovan Drennan was identified as a suspect. At the conclusion of the investigation, Donovan Drennan was charged with second-degree murder, tampering with evidence, employing a weapon during a felony, and possession of a weapon by a convicted felon. Mr. Drennan is represented by Derek Scratchen. The state is represented by Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch. This matter is currently set for trial on April the 25th through the 29th of this year. On March the 31st, 2019, the Murfreesboro Police Department responded to a residence on Sunset Avenue. Once inside, officers discovered the body of Judith Montmeyer. Mrs. Montmeyer had been stabbed multiple times, resulting in her death. Upon conclusion of the investigation, lead investigator Detective Jacob Felton with the Murfreesboro Police Department charged Mr. Martin Montmeyer with the first-degree murder of his wife, Miss Judith Montmeyer. Mr. Montmeyer appeared before the General Sessions Court in Rutherford County, and following a preliminary hearing, the court bound the matter over for presentation to the grand jury. In November of 2019, the Rutherford County Grand Jury returned a true bill against Mr. Montmire for first-degree murder of his wife. Mr. Montmire last appeared before the circuit court of Rutherford County on May 13th of 2021. He is represented by counsel, Mr. Ben Wetzel, with the Office of the Public Defender. Mr. Montmire remains in custody and awaits trial beginning on May 9th of this year. The state is represented by Assistant District Attorneys Trevor Lynch and Dana Minor. On June 22nd of 2018, officers with the Smyrna Police Department were dispatched to Sullivan's Sports Bar in reference to a shooting that resulted in the death of Errol Lyons. Video surveillance footage shows that Marcus Brown approached the vehicle occupied by Mr. Lyons and several friends. An altercation occurred between Mr. Brown and at least one of the occupants of the vehicle. Mr. Brown then shot and killed Mr. Lyons before fleeing the scene. Smyrna Detective Tony Harris has been assigned as lead investigator in this case. After reviewing the video footage that was available and interviewing witnesses, Detective Harris has charged Mr. Brown with first-degree murder, two counts of aggravated assault, employing a weapon during the commission of a felony, tampering with evidence, and resisting arrest. Mr. Brown is represented by Murfreesboro Attorney Mr. Scott Kimberley, and the state will be represented by Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch. This matter is currently set for trial starting June 6th and moving through the 10th of this year. On April the 9th of 2020, officers with the Murfreesboro Police Department responded to a residence on North Rutherford Boulevard in response to a shooting resulting in the death of Mr. Stephen Lopez, Jr. Lead investigator, Detective Richard Presley with the Murfreesboro Police Department, has charged Mr. James Evans III with the second-degree murder of Mr. Lopez. Mr. Evans waived his right to a preliminary hearing and bound his case over to the grand jury. In March of 2021, the Rutherford County grand jury returned a true bill against Mr. Evans. Mr. Evans is currently represented by Mr. John Mitchell III, and the state is represented by Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch. This case is currently set for trial starting June 20th of this year and moving through June 23rd. On July 26th of 2020, deputies with the Rutherford County Sheriff's Department responded to the the residence of Mr. Eric Bixler. Upon arrival, deputies found Mr. Bixler deceased as the result of multiple stab wounds. A female companion of Mr. Bixler advised deputies that two armed men had attacked Mr. Bixler and held her at gunpoint while they searched the premises. The female heard Mr. Bixler being tortured by the assailants. Detective Ty Downing with the Rutherford County Sheriff's Department was assigned as lead investigator on the case. Following Detective Downing's investigation, Mr. Christopher White and Mr. Christopher Robinson, both from Kentucky, were charged with first-degree murder, especially aggravated kidnapping, especially aggravated robbery, aggravated burglary, use of a firearm during the commission of a dangerous felony, and tampering with evidence. After a preliminary hearing in the General Sessions Courts of Rutherford County, the case was bound over to the grand jury. In March of 2021, a true bill was returned against both defendants. A trial date is currently set for August the 1st through the 5th of this year. The state will be represented by Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch. On June 22nd of 2019, officers with the Murfreesboro Police Department responded to a shooting on Eagle Street, resulting in the death of Mr. Diore Saunders. Murfreesboro Detective Jacob Fountain was assigned as lead investigator on this case. Through interviews of witnesses and video surveillance footage, Detective Fountain identified Delarius Crawford and Quandre Knowles as suspects. Physical evidence established that two different firearms were used to kill Mr. Saunders. Eyewitnesses confirm that Mr. Crawford and Mr. Knowles both shot Mr. Saunders. Detective Fountain has charged both suspects with first-degree murder, tampering with evidence, employing a firearm during the commission of a felony, and possession of a handgun by convicted felon. Mr. Crawford is represented by counsel, Mr. David Clark, while Mr. Knowles is represented by Mr. Tillman Payne. The State is represented by Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch. This matter is currently scheduled for trial starting August the 22nd, moving through the 25th of this year. That will conclude today's look Inside the Courts. Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website, and Alexa or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com.
1: Honoring and remembering those who served in our military, here is today's Salute to Veterans. True
4: American hero, Norm Elzir. We talked to a World War II veteran. What would be the closest moment? to death? Was that being shot down that one time? Were you ever captured or anything like that?
2: No, we weren't captured. I landed in a tree and I was unconscious. I woke up, there were three rifles pointed at me, strange uniforms. One guy says, Inglisky, Amerikansky, Jermansky. And I said, American. And he cut me down and hugged me. These were the Chetney people that took care of us. That was really something. There was a guy by the name of General Draza Mihaljevic, General of the King's Army, and the King was deposed by the Tito, the communist. but this general told his people, you take care of the Americans. He always did that. Tell us how you got rescued. gentleman by the name of Vajonjevic, he was in the OSS, which is the CIA today. They had put together this idea of coming in and getting us with airplanes. They come in with C-47s. Each C-47 had six P-51 escorts, and they come in. It was about one in the morning, and I was on the first plane out because I was sick at the time. That's what this book, The Forgotten 500, refers to. They actually flew out over time. 500 saved us, and all of our names. there were rescued is in the back of that book.
1: This has been a salute to veterans on WGNs Radio. Hi, this
3: is Gator with Tire World Off-Road. We are your local Rough Country dealer. So when you're ready to add some character to your rig, ask for Gator at Tire World Off-Road on Memorial Boulevard. This
5: is Sean Brown at Tire World on Broad Street, online at tireworld.us.
0: Every homicide, every rape, every robbery affects the entire community. People who are victims of these crimes need closure. The people who committed these crimes must be held accountable. Law enforcement needs the community's help in seeking justice. Please listen as we review an unsolved mystery in this month's Cold Case Profile.
1: We welcome Detective Sergeant James Abbott to our microphones. Sergeant Abbott, share with the audience your training, education, and your work experience. Good morning.
4: My training experience, I've had numerous courses in training in homicide investigations, cold case homicide, murder investigations, interview, interrogation and courses, search and seizure, crime analysis. Uh, I also have a bachelor's and a master's from Middle Tennessee State University. I'm currently working on my doctorate at University of Tennessee in Chattanooga. Uh, Recently completed my coursework, now working on my dissertation there. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's pretty much the extent of my, my, my experience. I, pretty much I'm always, always training. The, this job is one of those where you're always training.
1: Today, we are going to be asking for the public's help in solving three unsolved homicides. But before we discuss those three cases, I want to ask you a few questions designed to enlighten the public regarding what is often referred to as cold case investigations. And I know that you have investigated and solved numerous homicides and have testified many times in court. In your training and experience, what category or type of evidence is the most powerful in helping to solve homicides?
4: One of the most powerful ones is witness statements. If we have witnesses, uh, that's that's excellent for our investigation. But to be honest with uh, you, it it takes a combination of things, particularly to get to a successful prosecution. Uh, Fingerprints, blood evidence uh, as far as DNA, trace evidence, weapons, uh, any type, you know, being able to uh, identify the specific weapon, uh, phone evidence, records, uh, text messages, emails, and even social media is now huge for our investigations.
1: Research shows that homicides are most often solved because somebody tells you something and that witness statements are the most important type of evidence for solving a homicide. Do you agree with that research? And can you share with us an example of witness statements solving a homicide?
4: Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's very true. Um, Matter of fact, one particular case you and I both worked on, which was the uh, Ellis Wayne Smith homicide. Uh, you may remember we had numerous people coming forward saying that they had information about the case, and there was information that we had withheld about the investigation because all these people were giving us all this uh, information coming forward and telling us, but it was all uh, false information. They were they were looking for maybe a break in the court system themselves or things. Uh, so by key, withholding that key information... Uh, when we actually did have two individuals that had spoken to the suspect and the suspect had actually told them what happened when they came forward uh, it opened up the entire investigation and of course led to successful prosecution of the individual himself
1: keeping in mind the importance of witness statements what factors are helpful in obtaining witness cooperation in your opinion
4: uh... some of the the biggest factors for us is uh, number one you have to build rapport and and, and sometimes in some cases earn respect with the with the witness themselves um a lot of a lot of it comes down to likability uh there's some people that will walk into an interview room and and it's like flipping on a light switch no one wants to talk to them uh it's the same way with you know some people walking into a room anywhere uh at the other times uh, there's others that will sit down uh, become very personal with that person and they'll get them to talk and you know and also it comes down to getting the community as well uh, getting information out there to the community a lot of times community members may hear someone talk about a case and they are they're kind of limited on well who would they need to talk to but if you get out there and you talk or talk to people and get that information out there Uh, with the community, then they usually know who to talk to. So I always say, you know, you've got to hand out your business cards like a politician. Uh, Let everybody know who you are and and get that information out there.
1: What do you believe is the most significant factor or factors for a homicide remaining unsolved?
4: Uh, Usually the most significant factors for us that, that I have found over the years is a lack of witnesses and a lack of physical evidence. Those are the two key ones that, that usually hamper our investigations the most. With that as background, let's
1: profile the three cases that brought you here today. First of all, will you tell us about the May 26, 2009 murder of Anthony Davis?
4: On May the 26, 2009, in the early morning hours of, of that that day, a group of males identified as one white male, two Asian males, and a black male entered two... 20, 2225 Norman Avenue here in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Uh, It was during that time period that uh, two of the males were armed with pistols. One of them was armed with an AK-47. There was other individuals present as well. Uh, Mr. Davis was sitting on the couch, uh, having a conversation with some individuals. Uh, We learned through our investigation that earlier that night, Mr. Davis had been involved in a uh, drug deal uh, that had gone bad over on uh, uh, State Street here in Murfreesboro Uh, during uh, during that time period he had left and and gone over to Norman Avenue Uh, these individuals found him over on Norman Avenue and two of the individuals uh, shot and killed Mr. Davis while he sat on the couch Uh, during that time period uh, Several individuals were interviewed through that initial investigation. Uh, some physical evidence was also recovered. Uh, and, and, and right now we have three individuals that we have identified that was there, that we were involved. Um, this is one of those cases where we just need one or two more people to come forward uh, to, to really help us out, those, those witnesses. Uh, if they could come forward, this is one of those cases I believe that could easily move forward in the system, uh, in the court system, and be successfully prosecuted.
1: Next, can you tell us about the July fifteenth, two 2016 murder of Fausto Hernandez?
4: On July 15, 2016, at approximately 9.01 p.m., Mr. Hernandez was seen walking into the neighborhood market and tobacco located at 1208 East Northville. Uh, after spending some time in there and, and buying the items he was looking for, he exits the market at around nine oh six PM. Uh, at nine twelve PM three juveniles who were walking over to the uh there was at that time family a family video over there, uh was seen walking over to the video store and they had observed Mr. Hernandez sitting on a rock behind the uh, Marcos Pizza and that the the store. Uh, talking on a cell phone mr. Hernandez's wife Carmen was the one he was talking to and she she remembered him uh, hanging up and then at around 9 15 p.m. just a few about a minute afterwards his phone rang her phone rang again and it was mr. Hernandez but this time she stated that she could hear him talking to someone so it was kind of a pocket dial and so miss miss Hernandez listened on the phone and then the phone went dead again. Uh, At around 9.30 p.m., uh, four more subjects walked by the rock area and saw Mr. Hernandez lying on the ground. Uh, They walked over to family video uh, again. uh, They also, too, walked over to family video to call 911. During this same time period, the three juveniles also had just walked out of the store or family video and walked by and seen Mr. Hernandez laying there as well and also called 911. Uh, Mr. Hernandez, when police got there and arrived, medical personnel, uh, he was immediately transported to Vanderbilt. Uh, The only thing that Mr. Hernandez could say before, uh, due to his extensive injuries, uh, was the only thing he could tell officers and and, and medical personnel on the scene was that a black male had shot him. Uh, And and after that, Mr. Hernandez was unable to be questioned, and he never recovered uh, from those injuries, and he died at Vanderbilt.
1: And our final case is the August second, two 2019 murder of Terrell Ray.
4: On August first, two 2019, Terrell Ray was celebrating his birthday with his friends and family. Uh, he had met one of his pastors in Nashville for dinner. Uh, they talked about work and, and other things that he was wishing to do. And after leave, after, uh, after having dinner, he went and met up with a friend for a few minutes. Uh, they also talked, and then he left Nashville and drove to Murfreesboro. Uh, we know that Mr. Ray drove to Murfreesboro. We also know, uh, thanks in part to, at the time, the red light cameras there, that we know that Mr. Ray, when he entered Murfreesboro, nobody was following him. There was no suspicious activity um, indicating that anyone came from Nashville following him. Uh, Mr. Ray drove uh, from, Mur- or from Nashville to Murfreesboro in his uh, 2016 Chevrolet Camaro. We know that he arrived at 2.52 a.m. Uh, in the city, and then he arrived around 3 a.m. at 2850 Middle Tennessee Boulevard, which is the Villager, villager Apartments. He went to Apartment B building, uh, which is where his girlfriend lived. He was coming to see her she had gotten off work late that night and he was coming to visit her after she had gotten off work Uh, mr ray parked his vehicle in the parking lot there and started to walk to her apartment Uh, mr ray uh, was confronted by some individuals we know that mr ray never made it to the apartment Um, mr ray was confronted by some individuals in the in the uh, front or near the apartment building Uh, at that time, one of the suspects, Mr. Ray, uh, dropped his items that he was in his possession, tried to run to his car, uh, it, it may have even tried to uh, to resist in some ways when they were trying to rob him, and Mr. Ray was shot in the back multiple times. The suspects then took Mr. Ray's vehicle. Uh, they fled the scene in Mr. Ray's vehicle as well, uh, and the, the vehicle was recovered uh, at around 4.30 a.m. that morning, it was uh, thanks to uh, the... Uh, GPS that was on the vehicle, we were able to learn that the vehicle arrived at 43rd Avenue North in Nashville uh, at around 4.30 a.m., and we recovered it shortly thereafter. Uh, this is one of those cases that, that really uh, Mr. Ray was, was uh, you know, uh, just coming to see his girlfriend, um, and it's one of those cases where, uh, you know, it's, it's a tragedy that he was gunned down like that, just just like Mr. Hernandez, just like Mr. Davis, gunned down, uh, you know, for no reason, for for absolutely no reason. Um, there is a eleven thousand dollar reward on for Mr. Ray's uh, for, for Mr. Ray's murder case. If anyone has any information, uh, the district attorney's office, uh, General Jones, working with the governor's office. Uh, got us uh, received a ten thousand dollar reward from the governor, and of course Crime Stoppers also. And of course, there's Crime Stopper reward for the other cases as well. If anyone has any information, we would we would appreciate it.
1: Sergeant Abbott, thank you. And when we return, we will bring Larry Flowers to the WGNs microphones.
3: Mostly sunny skies here for this afternoon with a high around 80 degrees. South winds of 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, partly cloudy and alone near 53. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Vujicic on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 44.
4: If you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank, 2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. CapstarBank.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender.
1: We welcome you back for part two of our Cold Case Profile. Larry Flowers is the public information officer for the Murfreesboro Police Department. I have known Larry for many years. I first met Larry when he was a TV news reporter. Larry Flowers is a person of great integrity and professionalism. I was so impressed with Larry's great TV skills. He was a one-man show. He could run the camera, do the interview, and edit the tapes. We welcome Larry Flowers to our WGNS microphones welcome Larry
5: good morning Jay Paul do I pay you now or later
1: <laughs> later will be fine <laughs> okay. Larry I know that you've appeared on this station before but for those who may not be familiar with you please tell us a little bit about yourself your education training and your vocational history
5: sure um I'm a what I'd like to recall a recovering uh T V journalist. Spent thirty three years in radio and T V in uh Mississippi and Texas and of course in Nashville. I'm a graduate of the University of Southern Mississippi with a degree in broadcast journalism. Actually went to college with Brett Favre, so um telling my age there. So uh uh covered Steve McNair in college, so and then covered him as a Titan, so Wow. Yeah.
1: Larry, can you tell us, does the Murfreesboro Police Department, uh, do they have an unsolved homicide or what some people may call a cold case unit? Sure, sure. Department?
5: Sure. We, um, around the PD, like to call them unsolved cases, because when you mention cold case to a to a victim's family, you know, that's kind of harsh. And they don't want to think of their, their loved one's case, you know, in a box in a property room. So we try to refer to them as unsolved cases. And... Basically, we want to make sure that these family members know we're, you know, in pursuit of uh, solving their case, each and every one of them, even though some of the tips have stopped coming in, witnesses are not cooperating, or whatever the case may be. So, um, and we do feature those on our webpage. You know, simply go to uh, murfreesboro Uh, forward slash police and uh, go under our department and it has a link for those unsolved cases the ones that sergeant abbott talked about in addition to several others that uh, that we have featured on that page
1: can you tell me whether or not the website is interactive in other words does it have links to leave information such as how to leave a tip or how to find out information if you're a member of the victim's family
5: right uh... typically on those unsolved pages or our crime file pages we do have clickable links to emails uh... we have a generic email crime tips uh... at murfreesboro tn gov that you can simply kick click on that and open up our email browser and then you can send your tips in that way but also you know Crime Stoppers you can always call Crime Stoppers 615-893-STOP that's uh, 7867 It's the last four numbers and then now we have uh, the P3 global Intel app and you know in the day and age of technology you have crime fighting right in your in the palm of your hands. So if you see a crime happening, if you're a witness of a crime, you can snap a photo, you can shoot video. Simply click a button and that will go directly to the appropriate agency here in Rutherford County.
1: Now, I've seen some other websites and I'm asking you this question. I'm not sure whether your website has it or not, but as far as for family members, do we have a, uh, or would you consider a password link website where the family members can get updates on what's going on that's kind of private, but it kind of keeps them in status. That's something you might consider.
5: Well, definitely something we would love to consider, um, you know, because technology is the way to go these days. But I can tell you that our victims' uh, family members have direct access to all of our detectives. I mean, uh, we have one family member, every single day, reaches out to the police chief to the lead detective on the case and even, even Sergeant Abbott. And so on that, they have direct ass- access, I should say, to those uh, particular uh, family members. But, you know, as technology improves, we will love to get a link or something like that where they can have a click of a button to uh, receive updated information on their cases.
1: Can you tell us how Crime Stoppers works? How sure. does it function?
5: Sure. Uh, Crime Stoppers is uh, basically governed by a board of private citizens. Um, there were a group of citizens here in Rutherford County that felt the need that we needed something like this so where folks can uh, send in tips anonymously and, um, and so these community leaders basically you know, created Crime Stoppers. We partner with Crime Stoppers at Murfreesboro Police and all the law enforcement agencies within Rutherford County makes up that cr- uh, Rutherford County Crime Stoppers. And so basically people can report uh, tips anonymously. Uh, the board offers up to a thousand dollar reward for information that will lead to an arrest in a case. Not necessarily that they're going to get a thousand dollars, but up to a thousand dollars, depending on, on the, um, the person we're looking for. So uh, that's typically how Crime
3: Stoppers work.
1: One of the things about Crime Stoppers that, that often bothered me was that the amount has been one thousand dollars ever since I can remember. And one of the things that I looked into was, why is it $1,000? And what I found out was was that the IRS had agreed that if the amount is $1,000 or less, then it is tax-free. So I, I encourage our legislatures to possibly get that law changed so that we can up that amount a little bit. Exactly. Would you agree with that? I totally
5: agree because, you know, money talks. (laughs) And if you offer a little more money, especially, uh, you know, in in today's uh, uh, times where, you know, inflation is through the roof, somebody may need that extra money just to pay a bill. So uh, I would definitely encourage our lawmakers to consider that.
1: Tell us now about the P3 Global app and how, how the public can get that app.
5: Sure. Uh, Rutherford County Crime Stoppers has uh, partnered with uh, uh, P3 Global Intel app. Um, it's a new, the next generation of crime fighting, as I like to call it. Uh, citizens can report crime tips, submit videos in real time using that app uh, for Crime Stoppers. And again, it's called the P3 Global Intel app. Uh, you can go to your Apple ISO or your uh even your Android devices, just go to the Google Play Store, download that particular app, uh, and then there are a few steps you have to follow. You can actually click on whatever law enforcement agency you want to report that tip to. So in this case, Murfreesboro Police, or you can do Rutherford County Sheriff's Office if you have a tip for Laverne Police, and typically what that will do is send uh, an alert. You can report this anonymously. You don't have to even sign in your name on the app. You can literally click anonymously and then of course the way Crime Stoppers work you get you know a code and that code you would use to typically collect your money and so uh, this P3 uh, Global Intel app is just a modern way of you know reporting crime other than just picking up the phone leaving an anonymous
1: tip. I'm a big fan of crime files and I know Mm -hmm. that you've had a big part in that and you brought so much talent there and also you organized talent to assist you. Can you tell us about the crime files?
5: Sure, sure. MPD crime files, uh, when I was in uh, Jackson, Mississippi working for uh, the MBSC affiliate there, we constantly did uh, reenactments of crime. Um, you know, Sergeant Abbott just gave you an update of several cases, but when you see those cases and see how that crime went down, Typically, we're, our hope and our goal is is for someone to see that and it sparks a memory. It's like, oh, I remember that. I remember seeing this crime and then maybe call in a tip. But um, what Murfreesboro Police partners with uh, Murfreesboro City TV, our producer and videographer uh, Michael Nevels uh, work closely with us. What we do is we will get uh, actors from, or actresses from Murfreesboro Little Theater. And they will come and play a part of the victims, typically the suspect. We like to use a police officer. So uh, in that case, um, uh, to recreate these crimes. And so we do have them listed on our website.
1: Larry, I want to commend you for the outstanding service that you've provided the Murfreesboro Police Department and this community. Thank you. As we end our program today, we thank WGNS for providing the airtime. We thank our producer, Scott Walker, and special thanks to our two very special guests, Murfreesboro Police Department spokesman Larry Flowers and Murfreesboro Police Department Detective Sergeant James Abbott. Thanks to both of you for appearing on this our 101st broadcast and for your outstanding service to the community. Our next scheduled broadcast is Friday morning, April the 1st at 8 10 a.m. on your good neighbor station WGNS. We leave by saying a safe community is the responsibility of each and every one of us for my co-host Jennings Jones This is Paul Newman, bidding all of you a safe and blessed day.
0: The District Attorney's Office thanks you for listening to today's program. If you have any information regarding criminal activity in our community, please contact one of our law enforcement agencies. The information presented on today's show is solely for informational benefit and not intended to be legal advice. You should always consult an attorney whenever you need or rely on legal advice. Rutherford County's most trusted name in news. Talk Radio WGNS, Murfreesboro.